0: Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com.
1: And I have, uh, we haven't done it for a while, but we started a podcast and uh, so this is going to be podcast on steroids, because typically our podcast goes about five to seven minutes. We'll go a little longer than that today, but uh, so wh- what I wanted to say to introduce what we're doing is because we're circling back a little bit to some things that were started by VJ when I was in California, and um, as we, the last three weeks, I've been talking about the issue of spiritual warfare, if you remember, and the reason is because of just all the dynamics of what's going on around us in our country, what's going on with the issues we're facing as a church with the denomination and all of that. And we all know that ultimately the battle that we're facing and fighting is only one if we totally depend on him in the midst of the spiritual warfare. And so this morning, I want to talk about the fact, or we want to talk about the fact, that in order to bat- fight this battle, we need to fight it with with more grace than we ever imagined possible. Which means we need to increase our capacity to receive grace and practice the, the principle of sowing and reaping, which is the more grace we receive, the more grace we have to offer to other people. And so if we're experiencing a scarcity of grace in our life, then the, the reality is situations around us that are not, that are graceless will not receive anything from us. In fact, we may make a withdrawal. And so what we want to talk about this morning is the need for us to find a way to invest in more grace in our life so we have greater return, kind of like the law of sowing and reaping. And if you can think of it this way, it's kind of like I can remember when we bought our first house in Toledo, Ohio. Um, The reason we were able to do it was uh, for several years when I was a headmaster of of a school, Uh, the church had money going into a retirement account, and back in those days, I didn't think about retirement as much, so I didn't pay any attention to what was there, and then we were starting to look at houses, and trying to figure out what the down payment would be, and I was talking to our financial planner from California, and he says, well, you've got, you know what, you've got like enough money for a down payment built up in the interest that's in your account. I'm like, we do? (laughs) Great, and so this interest was compounding all the time and we had no idea. We didn't realize it was even there. So, so that's what we're, we're thinking about this morning is how, how can we continue to, to uh, plant seeds in our life so when we're faced with the safe stuff we're all faced with all the time, there's way more than enough to offer to other people, even to surprise us. And so, um, so we want to be able to live in grace like compound interest. We want to live in grace and walk in his love. So, the first question we want to wrestle with as we look at this this morning is how do we learn to obtain the grace of God through him so that we can walk in love for him? That's the whole point, always to be on mission. So how do we do that, VJ?
0: Well, I think we should start by saying you're going to see something miraculous this morning. You're going to see Doyle try to end his three-message series and Meetup try to end my four-message series all at the same time. So, you're welcome for that. Um... Let's do a quick recap of what we've been through so far. Does that sound like a good idea? Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, Paul writes in one of his epistles, um, Since a great price has been paid for your freedom, stop acting like a slave. And that one verse could sum up kind of the entire series that, that God put on my heart when we started this. Uh, we talked about being a slave to hurry uh, and the fact that it's not just me worshiping hurry. it was It's our whole society that has been trained and bred to... Live in a lifestyle that is constantly distracted um, and we talked about the fact that the reason why is because without being able to give our attention to God we can't actually be in a relationship with him because you can't have a relationship with someone you can't give your attention to um, and then we walked through some things that Jesus did in order to ensure that he, was, uh, he had the time, the soul space and the slowness to be able to give his attention to his relationship with his father um, so hopefully you remember that, because that's the whole review of that one message. Um, the next message was, where does where does those, those footsteps take us? And obviously they take us into relationship. The most important thing that any believer or any human could ever do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and so by following those footsteps of Jesus walking in slowness, walking in uh, Sabbath, walking in generosity, uh, and, other, and the other things we discussed, we are walking closer and closer into a relationship with God. Or at least having more and more opportunity to relate to God. Uh, And then Doyle talked about, well, why why does Jesus connect us with the Father? And it's because um, the amazing truth that Jesus delights in us, that we were created to relate to God, to the Trinity. Um, And that is a truth that I don't think any of us will fully comprehend, um, but... God has given us in our identity, in every created human being, the identity of someone who is relating to God, the identity of a son or a daughter who wants to relate to God. And that's extraordinary. God's God's extraordinary love for us has continued to um, cause him to go over and beyond what any human would do to, um, to continue loving us through our sin, through our continual walking away through our distractions, through our worship of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the review of where we've been, and we're ending both of these series at the same time, essentially, um, by talking about um, America's love affair with not only hurry, talk about that, but with punishment, with the with the mindset of us being punishable and us deserving to punish others. Um, so that's where we're kind of landing as the start of this message, um, and so realize that Again, not hurry, but punishment. We, America is currently thriving on conflict. Can we all agree that that's the truth, right? It's the lifeblood of our country right now. Um, well, I don't know why, but it is. It's, it's what uh, the news media runs on. It's, it's what people talk about at the office. It's all that is happening right now um, is America is running on conflict. And the punishment mindset goes right along with conflict. See, conflict doesn't really exist as much if your mindset isn't, well, the people that disagree with me deserve to be proved wrong. Or the people that have done something wrong in my mind deserve to be wronged in return. Right? So that punishment mindset fuels the conflict um, that our country and the world is currently running on. Um, so we talked about, uh, we didn't talk about, but we're going to talk about the word Avon today. Uh, and Avon is Not Avon calling. That's a too old joke for me. I don't, I don't even know what that means. Is that a makeup company? Yeah. Okay. There you go. I almost got it. Okay.
1: (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: So so Avon is actually the word we see in the Bible in Hebrew um, when the Bible talks about God punishing. And this is huge. This is almost as big as my um, flabbergastedness when I found out how much hurry is ingrained into our... Uh, society when I found out what this word actually has to do with in the Hebrew, Mm -hmm. Um, because punishment is something that we have taken our own definition of um, since the Bible was written, unfortunately. So Avon refers to the behavior, uh, the consequences, the hurt, the brokenness, and the negative cycles that humanity finds ourselves in because of sin, Mm -hmm. right? Does that make sense? So it's basically any kind of thing associated with sin that you could think of. That's what the word avon refers to. And in the sentences in the Bible where we see the word punishment in English, avon is usually involved. It's not by itself. It's in a phrase. And the phrase is that um, God is going to visit someone's avon upon them. So what it's saying is God is going to visit the consequences of someone's actions upon them. So that would be like natural consequences. Like when I decided to bike ride off a jump yesterday and fell... I reap the natural consequences of a bloody arm, right? So that was me reaping my natural Avon of that, right? Um, But the cool thing is that that doesn't always happen, right? We don't always receive the consequences for our Avon, and that's where we're going today. Um, Hopefully I can make this make sense before I hand it back over to Doyle. Um, The Bible also says um, that in those sentences where God punishes, that it it is God lifting his hand of protection off of us, and that is how our Avon visits us. And so that means that so often we are experiencing the protection of God from the natural consequences of our sin. And so it's a mindset shift. I'll say that again. So often God is protecting us from the consequences of our sin. And when when we reap those consequences, it's God's act of lifting his hand of protection off so we can actually sit in or receive the consequences of our sin. Um, And that's not semantics. Doyle, I have people say this to me all the time about so many things I'm passionate about. It's just semantics, right? You're just saying punishment, discipline, they're kind of the same. God lifting his hand, God delivering punishment. It's semantics. Is it? Do you think it's?
1: No, it is what it is. Whether it's God allowing punishment to be inflicted on us or lifting his hand, we have to recognize it exists. Yeah. But there is a solution you're going to talk about right now, right? There is a
0: solution, and it's a beautiful solution, yeah. Um, The amazing image is that um, the stuff that we get piled on top of us, our natural consequences, our Avon, um, instead of letting us be crushed by that, Jesus decided that he would take on the weight of every single person in the world and be crushed by the weight of our Avon, of our sin and our consequences so that we would never have to be crushed by that. Mm-hmm. So that we would receive eternal forgiveness. Paul says once and for all, it's done. It's over. Um, and God carries that so that he can have relationship with us. Mm-hmm. That's It goes back to relationship. It really mm-hmm. does. It goes all the way back to relationship. He set us free from the crushing of our sin by being crushed by our sin.
1: So he set us free, but the reality is all of us know there are all sorts of things that will turn us back towards living as if we're punished or living in punishment. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. The question is, why do we end up living as if we're condemned when the truth is there is no condemnation? And we are faced with a culture that's pushing us away from God's freedom and liberty and pushing us towards a mentality of punishment all the time, because that's all we hear. I came up with a great one. I've got, I, I'm proud of this one. We are in a culture right now uh, filled with pandemonium that includes pandemic, protest, and politics. The four Ps, pandem- pandemonium, pandemic, protest, and politics. And every one of those can turn us towards a punishment mindset. We hear things that are being protested about and we think, gosh, we should be punishing ourselves because of something we're doing wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't be paying attention to what's going on, but we need to look at it through the lens of the gospel and through the lens of what Jesus did at the cross. So we all know that we're looking at it through the lens of the new covenant where we have the opportunity because of the cross to now be connected to the Father. So when we shift from a mentality of punishment or we need to be punished, what we tend to do uh, when we're under punishment is we turn away. But when we shift away from it, what ends up happening is we turn towards connection to the Father. And receiving forgiveness ends up being more than just an individual experience because receiving forgiveness opens up the flow of forgiveness in us and then through us so that we end up having a non-punishing attitude toward others that are around us. In a few weeks we're going to be, or next week we're going to start talking about the Beatitudes, and there's this one Beatitude, the second one says, Blessed are those who mourn. And we're not talking about ignoring sin in our life. We're not talking about ignoring the need to mourn over the way we come up short. What we're talking about is the second part of that beatitude, which is, blessed are those who mourn because they are comforted. We're comforted because we're punished, punishment-free. We all know that we make messes all of the times, except, well, just you and I, maybe. Anybody else make messes here and there? And so we all make messes, and let me read you something Danny Silk says about this topic. He says, Uh, Jesus wants to heal us of our wounds, train us to overcome sin, and transform our character so that we become mature sons and daughters and look like Jesus. In other words, in the New Covenant, discipline is focused on benefiting the person who has made the mess. So this is the message of the gospel we all love. We make these messes, and God may let us for a season experience a life without His presence, but what He does is He comes in with His grace and His mercy, and after we repent and we work on cleaning up our messes, He comes in like a flood and restores to us the sense of relationship. Think about this, and Amy, if we could put up Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 is the prophecy about Jesus, and I don't want to look at the whole passage, but I want to uh, have you notice a few things. He was despised and rejected by men. For who? For us. We have a small group, so we can do this kind of in, interchangeable. He was despised and rejected by men for us. Uh, he, was, he surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The message through this whole passage is Jesus received the punishment that you and I are supposed to receive. I don't think that's a a, a new novel idea to any of us, but that's, that's what's so vivid in this passage. Now, especially if you go down to verse 12, the very end of it. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for his transgressors. The picture or the word bore is the word Avon. He, he took on the weight of our judgment upon himself. And if you could picture it, the Gospel, Bible Project has this video, has this great vivid picture of, if you can picture as much rubble, like after a huge earthquake and, and piles of rubble, or after 9-11 when the towers fell and there was so much rubble piled up, it's like, it's like someone, Jesus, coming up out of the rubble, And saying, This rubble can't hold me back. And so that's what's happening with us when we're being set free of this punishment. And now he's not only set free of the punishment, the scripture says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us because he's lifted the iniquity. Psalm 32, verse 5 says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave or lifted the iniquity of my sin. 1 John 1, 9. Can anybody quote that one? Go ahead. I'll take it off the screen so they have to say it. (laughs) All right. Esther gets the gold star of the day. That's right. Now you can put it back up there. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of unrighteousness or lift the punishment. So we don't have to live with a sense of punishment. And what we do in the process is we obtain God's grace by pressing into our connection with Him. And the choice we have is either to stay under the iniquity and punishment or to live free under the new covenant.
0: And so that's the that's the pivot point for us is are we going to stay under punishment or are we going to live free? And most people say obviously we're going to live free, and they apply that to their relationship with Jesus. Thumbs up. That's, that's step one. Um, but it's so hard to take the second step and apply that to our relationship with other people and to live free in our identity with Christ as we relate to others. And so as we pivot from what God has done for us to how we relate to others, we're going to keep that in mind is that – We relate to others the same way that God has related to us, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's a bunch of pairs uh, throughout, especially American evangelical Christianity that have been debated, debated, right? Are we saints or sinners? Is it punishment or discipline? Is it a good heart versus a bad heart? And today we're going to talk about the punishment paradigm versus our identity in Christ, right? So... The punishment paradigm, as, as Doyle was just kind of uh, mentioning, is, is living under the weight of our sin, which is literally throwing Jesus' work back in his face. We're saying, your work was not good enough for me to not live under this weight. I either deserve it somehow, or I'm just going to do it because I know I'm doing wrong things still. And yet, no, I won't spoil it. We'll, we'll talk about the other half of that and yet later. So, uh, <laughs> so our identity under this punishment paradigm which is hard to say, is of an orphan or of a slave. And so um, while those two things are not super common in our society today, Doyle, could you show us like a real life example of what living as an orphan or a slave would look
1: like? Yeah, I can. And I'm gonna share something with you that's on my counseling website. Uh, and I have permission to share this because uh, this client wrote this for me and put it on, and allowed me to put it up on my website. Um, This client that I had when I first met her, let me just read how it starts. When I first sought counseling from Doyle DeGraw for my eating disorder, I was 68 pounds and desperate. I was near death physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. I had tried inpatient centers and other types of therapy before, but none of them helped. My family was already planning my funeral. Um, I'll stop at that point and say that she was living... With an orphan slave mentality, even though she wasn't, but there were some elements that even created that dynamic. Uh, when she was, when she was in her mother's womb, when her mom was pregnant with her, her father uh, tried uh, kicked kicked her mother's stomach with the intention of trying to kill her. And then later, she lived with this sense of conflict because later she connected with her father, uh, but then that would go back and forth and back and forth, and then later, um, sometime later, several states away, she got the news that her father had drowned. And I don't know who it was in her family, but someone actually said to her, you know the reason he drowned? is because you were born and it was your fault. And so you know where that, I mean, you can fill in the rest of the blanks. I mean, she's a classic example of living under that, that punishment paradigm. And the whole eating disorder thing was just her way of self-preservation. Pre- it was her way to protect herself. It was the only way she could survive, which was counterintuitive because it was killing her, literally killing her.
0: Wow, that's, that's powerful. So uh, the core belief <coughs> behind this paradigm, uh, I just want you to listen to it and just, just see if any of this resonates with how you act or believe. Uh, the core belief is that my flaws and failures make me unworthy of love, belonging, or connection, that I deserve disconnection and punishment, and so does everyone else with flaws and failures. Hmm. Hmm. Just think about how that, you might be acting that out today. I know that, that we, all, we all are. And so the motives behind this paradigm are the fear of punishment and disconnection. So, Doyle, what does that look like in a, in a relationship with someone else?
1: Well, the relationship that this particular client had with her mother was a love-hate relationship because there were times that she would press into connection and then there would be a misunderstanding. There would be a mess that this client created and her mom would make her responsible for it or she would make her responsible for stuff that didn't even exist. And so that's, that's how it was lived out in her, her life and her situation. Wow.
0: Yeah, and, and the result of that is that our behaviors in that paradigm are to avoid punishment, right? Either by hiding or picking one thing to control, like our eating, our mm-hmm. intake, uh, fitting in through pleasing, perfecting, performing for others, or by refusing to fit in and rebelling and making our own rules. Mm-hmm. And of course... As relation to others, we decide that we can punish others when they scare, or hurt, or offend us, Right. because we're living out of punishment as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So now you're going to talk about the new covenant. Part, I am.
0: Right? There's, there's, here's the turn, and Doyle can finish this story. Um, but punishment versus discipline is the two kind of the two words that we're operating under, and the new uh, identity that we're operating under is as sons or daughters of God, and so we turn things from upholding the rules to restoring the relationship. We turn from pain being inflicted to pain being embraced. We tor- turn from worldly sorrow to godly sorrow, like you were saying in the Beatitudes. We turn from repentance is irrelevant to repentance is the first step in a very, very essential process of forgiveness and cleaning up our mess. We, ter- we turn from forgiveness being irrelevant to forgiveness being the next step in that process. We return We return from uh, requiring submission of control to requiring responsibility of ourselves and self-control and so this new covenant paradigm that we've been given By how jesus relates to others and how he teaches us to relate to others We've been given this identity of saints of sons and daughters of god our identity um, All the things that jesus has in the heavenly places are for us like doyle was saying a couple weeks ago And so doyle we live out of that identity. What does that look
1: like? Well, i'll just read the rest of uh christina's story She says um Doyle changed all that. He built a foundation of genuine trust in our sessions and he listened to my words. He challenged me when, he need, when needed and unpacked my lifetime of strongholds. With patience and innovative methods, he helped me understand my mental roadblocks and guided me towards a tangible change. Finally, Doyle taught me the truth about God and I learned invaluable lessons about my self-worth and my identity and who, who I am in Christ. Today I'm healthier than I've ever been. I'm free of my anorexic chains and I'm equipped with boundaries and hope to face the future. I recommend... Oh, I won't give you that part. I'm not trying to sell my (laughs) counseling. But but anyway, I mean, the exciting news is she went from 68 pounds to... The last time I talked to her, she was around 110, 115 pounds right at the weight that she needed to be. All of her vital signs were all normal after all of that. And it's so interesting uh, that... All of that time, we didn't talk about, I mean, I would check in to see how she was doing physically or with, with what she was eating and how her, um, what the doctors were saying about her blood tests and blood work and all that. But we didn't focus on the eating part. We focused on her identity. And then I started noticing on her log of what she was eating. I said, hey, you ate a lot more this weekend than you did last week. She goes, I did? And she didn't even realize it realize was happening because something was changing from the inside out, which is what we're talking about.
0: Yep, so the core beliefs for this one, and again, just feel, just meditate through this as I I read it and see if it resonates with how you're living or how you're treating yourself or others. Our core belief is that through Jesus, I have become a son or daughter who is worthy of love, worthy of belonging, worthy of connection. My mistakes do not disqualify me from the Father's love. Instead, they are precisely where I learn the depth of his love, his forgiveness, and his commitment to transform me into, mature, into a mature child who looks like Jesus. Let me just pull an aside here, Doyle. Um, if you are saying out loud anything contrary to this, stop. Stop saying that out loud. Start confessing the truth whether you believe it or not. This is the case of the man who said to Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. <laughs> right? Well, that doesn't make any sense to us. No one, would, no one would say that today because it doesn't logically make sense. If you believe, you don't have unbelief, right? But mm-hmm. no, no. He's, he's confessing the truth and then still grappling with the reality. So it is our job, and Jesus calls us to confess the word of God, to confess our identity, whether we believe it yet or not. Because that's how we transform our mind, right? We transform our mind through the meditating and the washing of the word. So say the truth out loud. Don't catch yourself in the lies that you're saying to yourself and to others. And stop and say the truth out loud. And so our motive for all this in this new paradigm is what?
1: Well, the motive is for us to connect, to be able to connect with others. And that's, we want to pivot to this last part, which is we want to connect with others, especially with those that don't always agree with us. Because there are some people out there that deserve, I mean, I would like to punish, maybe they deserve punishment, but I need to reserve my right to do that if I'm going to live this out.
0: Yep, and so, connection.
1: so, part of part of maturing and is making messes and learning how to clean them up, particularly messes that we make in relationships. And we're talking about making sure that we're protecting boundaries, so that boundaries are correct, so that they're healthy boundaries, not just walls that are unhealthy out of our own insecurities. Um, interesting verse, John, something Jesus said, John chapter twenty, verse twenty-three: If you forgive anyone's sins their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That blows me away to think about how much power we have in the way we relate to other people. We can hold back God's forgiveness on them if we carry the wrong spirit, the wrong attitude. And the other thing I want us to see is in Hebrews chapter 12, which we looked at a few weeks ago, we looked at the first part about Jesus delighting in being connection with us, but I want you to look at verses 12 through 17. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, which in other words is quit punishing yourself. Quit punishing yourself. Quit living underneath yeah. what we're not supposed to live under. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one even when they're not deserving of honor and make no room for the offenses that we might have in our hearts towards other people. And I think we all would agree this morning that there are plenty of people out there for us to be offended at. Whether we get offended at somebody on social media, we get offended at something we see in the media, uh, news media, uh, might be a neighbor, might be somebody we work with, but the first thing we need to be looking at is what's going on in our own heart in terms of receiving who we are and our identity in Christ. And so, what we want to finish with is just this reality. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I've been, I got saved 58 years ago, which is way older than even VJ is in age. And I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm still trying to figure this out. It's almost twice your age. Yeah. I it's, just—it's <laughs> kind of scary. Now I'm really depressed. So, but but the reality is, I am still trying to learn this. And so, uh, we're all trying to learn this, where none of us have arrived. And so, I'm going to let BJ go first. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you're already standing. So. Um, <laughs> the the reason for me that I always try to focus on being intentional in worship and being focused, I mean, when, when Hannah gets up and says, you know, can you, good morning, would you please stand? I intentionally, this is just what goes on inside of me, I intentionally stand up. I try to be the first one up. Because I know my tendency, and this goes way back to uh, I think I think I've told this story before, but I was in a group of pastors and leaders, and it's 5:30 in the morning. We were getting together for prayer time, and we get ready to do worship. And I was I I was just in a bad place. I was I was punishing myself. I was upset about needing to be there, and everybody was hands raised in worship, and I had my hands in my pocket. And I'm like I'll be I'll be danged if I'm gonna. Do this. And so my friend Peter Doan afterwards called me in his office and said, Hey, I need to talk to you. What's wrong with your attitude? So well, I'm fine. What do you mean, what's wrong with me? And you know, he was my boss, so he could say this. Don't ever let that happen again. Because the way that you act affects the way others respond. And so I think about that every time when Hannah, every time you get up to lead us in worship, I think about that. Especially because we stand up by the, in the front, too. But I think, you know, if I, if, if you say, can't, let's stand up, and I'm just like, I don't feel like it today. It doesn't matter what I feel like. I need to get in tune with who I am in Christ. And that's the posture that I take. So anyway.
0: Yeah, it's a tall order to live this out. It's a really tall order. And as being much younger, I am much worse at this. Um so I think something that Doyle said is that we all get hurt, right? Hurt is not the problem. Hurt is inevitable. It's what we choose to do after that point that leads us either to connection or to build, you stole my line, to build walls instead of healthy boundaries. Um, so I've obviously had my share of hurts, and I, I, instead of building healthy boundaries, even though I knew that was the right thing to do, I put up walls and just pretended they were healthy. Uh, and I do this often, but specifically from, you know, from, from when I was really young, I made a lot of agreements that uh, I was the only person that I needed, that community was just going to hurt me, that, that family was just going to hurt me um, and instead of walking in relationship and walking in connection and, and healthy boundaries, I walked in unforgiveness um, for a long time and it was only through this process that brought me up here in the first place during the first message um, that God led me into actually living into that for real instead of living into that for fake, if that's even a sentence. Um, Instead of living into my unforgiveness, uh, God is calling me or calling us to live um, by by making powerful decisions, by understanding that that we are the only person that we can control, that I can't make you say or do anything, and that I can't make you feel anything, but I can control myself and how I react when you say something to me. Um, I can control myself when I'm holding on to unforgiveness. I can stop that. Uh, in the power of Christ, Mm -hmm. and so God is calling us to make powerful decisions and to be powerful people Mm -hmm. in the situations where people are yelling their opinions at us, where people are vehemently disagreeing with us, where people at work are lambasting you without knowing what your opinion is, you know, you know how that is probably. Um, It's our call. It's Mm -hmm. our call to live out our identity Mm -hmm. and our relationship with Christ in that, and not to um, make the quick judgment or the quick wall, which I do all the time, of, well, that conversation's over, that relationship is over, that's as far as you're getting, you're not getting any closer to me. Um, and that's really hard to do, and we all have more opportunities to do that right and wrong right now than we probably ever had because of what's going on in our country. And so as we go through this week, look for those times that you say, no, you're done, and try to fight that, try to try to live back into re- your relationship with Christ and the fact that he bore the punishment for us. And so we should walk in that spirit when we relate to other people who are, uh, hurt, who are acting hurtful towards us or who are mm. or just even just disagreeing with us.
1: Mm, that's good. So what I'd like you to do is, is put your hand over your heart. <clears throat> and what I want you to think about is in our culture, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's politics, whether it's protests, Any one of those can cause us to get into a wrong frame of mind. And so we just ask you, Lord, that you would help us to check our own hearts first this morning. And as we need to read the news, as we have it in our face, whether we like it or not, whether it's somebody at work that brings up something that we need to probably talk about, we pray that we would check our own hearts first so that we live out of who we are in Christ and that we can extend to others a spirit of grace that is so necessary in our culture. We ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together, everybody, so we can finish. Father, we just thank you for the words of that song this morning, just a reminder that you chase after us. We were the only one you would chase after us. And we thank you so much, Lord that you care that much for us. We pray that you would pour that love into our hearts so we would care that much for others as well. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to mention to you that next week we are going to uh, start a series uh, consistent with uh, what Centerpoint is doing on the Beatitudes. The series will be entitled is the series is called To Be or Not To Be. And uh, so if you want to reread the Sermon on the Mount to get ready for that, that would be a good thing to do. So next week we'll start with the first beatitude, which is blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom. So so as I give you a blessing this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put one hand over your heart and take your other hand and extend it to your choice of whoever. Pick somebody. Like a radar. And as I say these words, your hand extended them, is the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you his grace. And may the Lord turn the light or the light of the countenance of his face toward you and give you his peace so that you might give grace and peace to others as well. Amen.